look forward to retirement and avoid the pitfalls. Keep listening for ways to maximize your retirement income. More Than Money with the Popowich Carmelli Advisory Group, CIBC Woodgundy, on News Talk 770. Welcome back. You're on News Talk 770 and More Than Money. You're here with Dave and Faisal, and we're going to talk about uh, what's next. What comes next? So if you've retired and you're bored and you want to get back into something. And you're bored. <laughs> if you want to be your own boss. Which or, is common. Which or, is common. Yeah. Or if perhaps your retirement date was picked for you and you're not quite ready to finish working. Yeah. Okay. But you need to create something on your own. Yeah. So there's a lot of people who have a next chapter in their retirement. The, the typical visual of people sitting on their front porch just in a rocking chair is not today's retiree. Today's retiree are doing so much more. Either they're spending time uh, doing other things, or some might try on a new venture like a new business. And so one of the ideas that many uh, Canadians have when they go through this phase in their life is, let's just pick up a franchise. Let's pick up a coffee shop or something like that where I can, I can get some cash flow. I can be engaged a little bit. And it'll be great for my retirement. Yeah. It sounds great. does sound great, doesn't it? But. <laughs> Is it? Let's well, find out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Tony Wilson's joining us today. He's a leading Canadian franchise lawyer at Boughton Law Corporation, adjunct professor at SFU, Global Mail business columnist. He's the author of Buying a Franchise in Canada, Understanding and Negotiating Your Franchise Agreement. Something tells me that's an important piece of the puzzle right there. Tony, welcome to the show. Hi. Thanks for having me. Okay, so let's try to demystify this a little bit. Help us understand a little bit about um, about what somebody can expect if they are at that stage of life that we just explained and they, they want this next chapter. Is the franchise the way to go? Well, let, let's just ask this. What age are we talking about? Well, let's say it's, a, it's somebody 50, 50 plus. Or so? Yeah, hmm? 50 plus. 50 plus. Well, 50 is a little different than 60. If somebody was trying to get into another business at 60, I'd say you're absolutely crazy. Um, 50, you've got some time to, you know, make it back if it doesn't go well. I, I'm a bit uh, uh, cautious about advising anybody in, dare I say, middle age about getting involved in a franchise business. Um, to be blunt, I've seen so many of them uh, fail. Uh, for a variety of reasons. Uh, sometimes the reason is that the franchisor uh, isn't the same person or doesn't have the same sort of uh, wonderful attributes uh, that they had before they uh, they got the franchisee into the deal. Right. Um, and uh, they're insisting on uh, full performance of the agreement and there's no leeway and the franchisee doesn't get along with the area manager. There's a variety of, of dynamics that go on. Um, a lot of people sell franchises to themselves, which is just amazing. They they really want to get into a franchise. They really want to get into a coffee franchise. Boy, I like this franchise. And then they get into it and they realize, you know, it's 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 there's no stop, there's no end. You're the one that's responsible for it. And and maybe that's fine if you're in your 30s and 40s and want to do that. Um, and you've got some you know time to build up the business. I just I, I, I'm very nervous about people later in life uh, thinking that buying a franchise is a panacea to making a lot of money because it isn't. I have seen people get uh, golden handshakes, invest in a franchise, and they uh, here we go. They lose their shirts, their houses, and their marriages, um, and it's very sad to see. Now that doesn't mean to say that. All franchises are bad. They're not. Right. Um, but there are franchises out there 
where um, you know they're they're smaller brands where even the franchisor has capitalization problems, or it's more demanding than the middle-aged franchisee with a golden handshake expects. I think that's I think that's a big point, right? I mean. You think about a franchise, Faisal, people expect to be able to walk in, and the reason you go into a franchise is because you got the operating manual right there, just do this, that, and the other thing, and everything will work out. But it's still a business. There's still risk, and there still might be a capital risk. And to Tony's point, do you want to take that capital risk at age 50, 60, or later? You know, I think people get um, confused uh, with the difference between a franchise and a vending machine. <laughs> I think some people think a vending machine is what they're buying. They go in there, they stock up the inventory, and they walk away and just watch people either put coins in the machine and get the money out of it and restock the, the vending machine. When you own a franchise, it's not the same thing. There's a completely different way of managing. And you, like you said, uh, Tony, that, this, that you're the man. You're the one that has to handle it. So when you are, are in that age demographic of 50 plus, and you came out of the gates by saying, if you're 60, I wouldn't even go near it. What are some of the things that people are, are finding that, that draws them? More importantly, what are the reasons why people are running away from, from franchises? Well, I don't want to say people run away from them because, you know, many franchisees are, um, are people that have had some business experience and do want to run a business and <clears throat> want to operate under a brand. And there's good reason for doing that because um, uh, people are attracted to brands. I mean, you everyone knows Tim Hortons and everyone knows at least in BC White Spot and McDonald's or whatever. Um, and the statistics show that franchise businesses tend to succeed more than non-branded businesses. Okay, many of the franchise businesses uh, that I see here in Vancouver, where I am, uh, there's a lot of new Canadians that uh, mm-hmm. come to this country and they want to start a business and they've got family money behind them and they, you know, uh, work the uh, the franchise business and they're happy to do it. They work it. They bring the family in there and the family works in the business. So, not all of them are bad. Not all of them fail. I don't want to give that impression. I'm, you know, I write franchise disclosure documents for in Alberta and now in BC. I don't really have the legislation in BC, and I always say in my FDD documents, this is a speculative investment, and that's a warning to say you can put money into this and you might not get your money out and you might get nothing out of it. So, uh, you know, I I caution listeners. Certainly, I'm going to say the over 55 crowd. Um, there might be other things to do with your money than invest in a franchise. Now, if you're 35 and you want to get involved in a business, um, and you know you've you've got as somebody somebody once told me, if you got the jump and they got the jump to develop the business and and perhaps do not only one franchise but a multiple uh, mm-hmm. group of franchises, like three or four. Um, you know, they they may very well it may suit their personality, it may suit their their pocketbook. Uh, but if if the topic that you're talking about right now is what do you do with your money in middle to late middle age, I I would be very very leery of getting into a franchise. And this is only from personal experience, having represented franchisors and franchisees. And um, you know, I don't know how old you guys are, but I'm 61. And I don't want to work quite as hard as I did when I was 31. <laughs> fair comment. Fair, fair comment. Um, so let's go back to for 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 just a second on your on your experience. What are some of the things, uh, some of the major things that people misunderstand or perhaps discount too much when they're thinking about getting into a franchise that ultimately comes back to bite them? Well, for one thing, they. Um, 
they expect they're going to walk into it and make money on the first day. I'm, I'm exaggerating, but you understand that. They, yep. Many franchisees that I see, and some of them are the ones that get the golden handshakes, uh, say, well, I've got the $65,000 severance. I might as well put it in a franchise without realizing it's going to cost four hundred and fifty dollars to $600,000 to build the uh, the outlet. They don't, you know, they've got the franchise fee money, but they don't have anything to build out the outlet. Many people don't have experience managing staff. Um, if Alberta and maybe BC and maybe Ontario are going to a $15 minimum wage, that's really going to affect um, uh, uh, um, labor costs. Yep. It's a manager. It's it, it, it's a matter of controlling your costs. It's a matter of in the restaurant business controlling your food costs, controlling your your uh, your labor costs. Um, we have, I guess, in Canada, you've got to worry about where supply is coming from. If it's coming from the U.S. and Canadian franchisees and other retailers are buying American supply on 72 cent dollars, um, that's a bit of a problem as well. So there, there are many, many uh, barriers in the way to success in any business. What did we see a couple of days ago? Sears Canada is having big financial problems and may right. in fact close. So if, if Sears is having that problem, um, many of the small business community might be having that problem, including franchises. Right. Tony, now, in your, in your the, the good news is that, that many of them, I mean, if, if franchising didn't work, you wouldn't see them in your mall. Yeah. Yeah. But we do see franchise businesses in the mall. Correct. Tony, in your experience, what we, what we, when we think of franchise, we think of quick serve or restaurant-based type of uh, franchises. But yep. there's also service-based uh, uh, franchises out there as well, too. They may, they may be a, a, a tutorial business for, for children to learn more, like Oxford Learning or whatever it may be out there. Yeah, Kumon, you know, that sort of Kumon, thing. Kumon, those types of things. On the, when it comes to actual food service or quick service versus service-based which uh, which do you find actually have better agreements, better opportunity, have have uh, more for that demographic of the boomer than than what most people think of? Well, better agreements is kind of funny because it depends on what side you're on, right? The franchisor side or the franchisee <laughs> side, and I do both. Um, um, I, you know, service uh, franchises. Um, I'm thinking off the top of my head, Molly Maynard, Nurse Next Door, that sort of yeah, stuff. Exactly. Um, those sort of mobile businesses, you're not going to have the same overhead crunch that you're going to have with a, a retail location or a restaurant. You've got your vehicle, you've got your client base, you visit the individuals, give them home care, or visit the the, the, the residential premises and, and clean it up. Um, I am, to be honest, seeing a lot more mobile franchises uh, than I used to, and I think it's, it's mainly a function of you know, uh, the cost to build out and pay rent for your typical commercial premises is extremely high, whether you're in Calgary or in Vancouver. Uh-huh. So I'm seeing a lot more of that. Um, I, I, I'd have to rack my brain about other service franchises. I've seen knife sharpening franchises, and I've seen dog walking franchises. Um, again, some of these things work out, and some of these don't work out. I, from what I understand, Nurse Next Door does very, very well. I don't do any work for them. But um, did you have another? Uh, I, I, I've got to follow or? up. Uh, yeah, I've got to follow up to that. So this is a very specific area. So if somebody's typically going into a franchise, they most likely don't have franchise experience. They probably don't know the right questions to ask. How do they, I'm assuming that uh, as a specialist in this area, you've seen lots. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> I think people would need to get proper advice. You'd have to spend some money up front as part of your due diligence, not just read the franchise documents that they're trying to sell it to you on. So if somebody needs to get a hold of you, how do they do that? Well, let's just answer the, the question with respect to due diligence. 
in BC, Alberta, Ontario, Manitoba, PEI, and New Brunswick. We have franchise legislation. A franchise cannot be sold legally uh, without a comprehensive franchise disclosure document being delivered to the prospect who has 14 days to look at it before anything else can be signed generally. That's got a lot of information in it, but you've got to see a lawyer about that because there's a lot of stuff in there that that it's it's not that easy to understand. There are also remedies in those jurisdictions in the event that the franchisor has either not disclosed or misdisclosed. So in that in that side, it's very helpful these days in those provinces for franchisees. Um, But if your question is, what would you ask the franchisor? Here's what I'd ask: three questions. Okay, even without a lawyer, are you happy? Are you making any money? And would you do it again? That's asking franchisees in the system. Yep. And if they say no, no, and no, I'm not sure you want to be in that <laughs> franchise. Uh, that's true. That'd save you a lot of money just asking those questions right up front. You bet. Um, but I would suggest, and, and Tony, I want to thank you. We've got to cut it off here. I want to thank yeah, you for it. your time. This is a specialized area. There are people looking at this. There is that next chapter sort of thing going on. As part of your due diligence, get the proper advice. Get, you know, talk to somebody who's done this um, and help you understand what your legal commitments are going to be in the event that it doesn't work out. How do you get out and what can you expect? Eh? Yeah, absolutely. Tony Wilson is a leading Canadian franchise lawyer at Boughton Law Corporation, adjunct professor at SFU and a contributor to the Globe and Mail. And um, listen, we've got a seminar coming up that we're going to invite everybody out to on June 19th. Yeah, you know, this is where the expertise have to come in. You want to talk to a franchise lawyer because they specialize in franchise. But what about retirement transition specialists? Yeah. Yeah, the two of us, all we deal with are people who are transitioning to or living in retirement. And what are the risks and issues that come up uh, in regards to that? And how do you make money regardless of market direction? We're going to talk about that on Monday, June 19th, 7 p.m. at the Oak Ridge Co-op Wine and Spirits. Now you need to reserve your seats. So please give us a call, 966-8400-966-8400, or go to our website at morethanmoneyradio.com. How happy are you with your doctor? We're going to find out how Albertans feel on the next, in the next segment. Join us after the break. You're on Newstalk 770 and More Than Money. David Popovich and Faisal Carmelli are portfolio managers and investment advisors with CIBC Woodgundy in Calgary. The views of David Popovich and Faisal Carmelli do not necessarily reflect those of CIBC World Markets, Inc. Clients are advised to seek advice regarding their particular circumstances from their personal tax and legal advisors. If you are currently a CIBC Woodgundy client, please contact your investment advisor. CIBC Woodgundy is a division of CIBC World Markets, Inc., a subsidiary of CIBC and a member of the Canadian Investor Protection Fund and Investment Industry Regulatory Organization of Canada.